five teenagers are given the ability to transform into any animal they touch. Using this technology, they alone must fight a secret infiltration of Earth by a parasitic race of aliens known as the Yerks. They can't tell you who they are or where they are from, but we're here to tell you their story. This is the Millennial Agenda, Animorphs Edition. Welcome everyone to the Millennial Agenda, Animorphs Edition, a weekly discussion of K.A. Applegate's sci-fi action series, The Animorphs. I am your host, Josh Gunderson. I am joined by my Animorphs Edition co-host, Kevin Morey. This week we are discussing Book 15, the escape while the group including jake are actively defying jake's orders to stop using morse for personal crap and non-yerk nonsense marco and jake run into eric king the chi who has some hot gossip for the animorphs he tells him about a secret yerk operation happening just off the coast of royan island apparently involving a group of psychic aliens called the Lyran, and being overseen by visser one aka marco's mom the group decides to investigate and it goes about as well as you would expect they discover a massive underwater facility, but are driven off by a group of well-organized hammerhead sharks. They manage to acquire a hammerhead shark from a place that is definitely not SeaWorld for legal purposes, while also managing to wreck the place in the process. They infiltrate the compound to discover the Yerks are altering hammerheads' physiology to make them more suitable hosts for Yerks, so they can use them to invade the Lyran homeworld. The Animorphs manage to destroy the base, possibly killing Visser 1 in the process, and Marco doesn't die in this book. So everyone's happy. The end. <laughs> and not for a lack of trying, either. Homeboy does some stupid shit in this one. You just described <laughs> the entire... Like, we could we could just start and finish every episode with Homeboy did some stupid shit. <laughs> See you next week. The end. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, the one thing I do really love about this book is the introduction, the introduction of the Lyrans, because they are a really fascinating concept. Uh, That's the question that came up for me. Do we see them again? Or is this oh, yeah. another like one and done? Situation? No, no, no. It's, okay. They're not like super prevalent in the series in the way that I wish they were, but they do come back up again in really big ways. But what a concept that they, as soon as you get within proximity of them, they just know your thoughts, all of them. I, I don't need anyone knowing my thoughts at any given point in time because they're usually not <laughs> good. Granted, I'm also really good at just saying my thoughts out loud in podcast format. You're right. welcome, world. So we, I mean, we'll start off with uh, the Not Rainforest Cafe situation where a new mega mall, I don't, like, I grew up in the time of malls and I don't even know what that means has i guess it's just a bigger mall a better it's like mall? a it's like a mall of america kind of thing do they need that in their town like come on yes this is that was that it was a built at the abandoned construction site oh my god they finally finished it it was abandoned for years and then in months they were like mm, super mall did you not I, was the mall of america not like a legendary thing to you when you were in the 90s like for me i mean i was <clears throat> younger than you were in the 90s but for me, the Mall of America was like a theme park. Like, I never went. I still have never been. But the concept of it was, like, such a cool thing. So for me, seeing it in this book as a kid, I was like, oh, it's such a, like, that's what that is. It's about this. It's so cool. Having, I've been to the Mall of America. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's not, it's not, not something that I was, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm in the general vicinity. I might as well go because I was on tour and I had to land there. And I was mm. like, yeah, fuck it. I'll go. This should be fun. It's a mall. 
it's not any place I would like go out of my way to visit. I guess is what I'm I'm saying. Okay, that's After fair. Having done that, but so Mega Mall, and in said Mega Mall, there is a definitely not rainforest cafe. Right, definitely not. Definitely not for. I really enjoy that. Ka Applegate like very much picks and chooses which which brand she's going to <laughs> drop in and whether or not because like we what, what what was the grocery store in the forgotten the Safeway she she went ahead and dropped Safeway which is still a thing but like oh going, yeah but name dropping Rainforest Cafe was a little bit too much and apparently at this this not Rainforest Cafe they have live parrots chilling out and talking to the people in line which i don't i don't see that being very sanitary it's not sanitary it's also not safe for the animals i would think i mean i'm no animal care expert everyone we know named meg chime in but <laughs> <laughs> i feel like it's not practical at all for the animals to be in that area and also i don't think that birds are intelligent enough to like actually read people in the moment i feel like birds learn how to mimic so like you could tell them things to say but they're not going to like see somebody with blonde hair and like make fun of them for their blonde hair you know they're just gonna look at somebody and say something that they've been trained to say even for a human who's controlling a bird body can they like can they do that can they manipulate their voices that way i don't know probably don't know. not i feel like the whole thing was like because I don't, I also don't see a parrot being trained to be like, try our fucking pot stickers. Like I, right, exactly. So that that whole thing was asked. I mean, I mean, all of this was simply a setup to run into Eric. But I like Cassie. This is Cassie's doing, because of course <laughs> it is. But like, so first of all, I don't, I don't like fully see like because I know Rainforest Cafe has the the fish tanks, mm -hmm. and I mean even. T-Rex Cafe, which is owned by Rainforest, if I remember correctly. T -Rex, owned by Landry's. Yeah, that we have here uh, at Disney Springs. They have fish tanks, but all the other animals mm -hmm. are not real. Right. And, like, having a bird sitting and shitting, and from the sounds of it, it sounds like one of the waiters was cleaning up the perch. Like, first off, no waiter in the history of ever has time to stop on the hour and be like, ah, gotta go clean up the bird shit. I definitely am not, like, in the weeds with 12 different tables that need my attention. I got time for this. Like, no <laughs> no restaurant's gonna invest in that. So that's, I'm just gonna, I'm calling, like, there's a lot of shenanigans that I'm going to be calling in this book. We'll, we'll get I'll there. I'll say it this way. There is literally a Rainforest Cafe at Disney's Animal Kingdom where they have birds that like come out into open areas and are trained to like, you know, fly around and stuff. And even the rainforest cafe at animal kingdom does not have live animals other than the fish in the tanks. So yeah, this is a, a far fetched um, opening bit. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Ka, but I'm, but she, Oh, she made sure to get the Cinnabon reference in there to get right. that sweet, sweet Cinnabon royalty check. And here, but here's the thing, given, you know, everything that we're saying as grown adults, when I was a kid reading this, the only concept I had of the Rainforest Cafe was a location at Tyson's Corner in Virginia, I think. It might have been a different mall, but I'm pretty sure it was at Tyson's. Um, but I never ate there, but I always wanted to because they were animals. And I didn't really understand that the animals weren't real because I was very young. 
So reading this as a kid, I remember specifically being like, oh my God, they had real parrots at that place. That's crazy. <laughs> oh, your cute little sheltered life. Yeah, I, that's one way to, to describe that. <laughs> I honestly don't even think I encountered a rainforest cafe until I lived in Massachusetts. And there was one at a mall that was a pain in the ass to get to. And we went there once and I was like, well, this is an overpriced burnt burger. Never again. Anywho, so <laughs> Eric the Chi uh, makes his, his first appearance in a hot minute. It's It's been a couple books. And he's back with some details on this underwater operation. And so they decide, the Animorphs decide, we're going to go check it out. We're going to go fly out there. But first, Tobias needs a dolphin morph. So let's go in the daylight hours and do that. In front of people. In front of people. While they're performing. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not smart. And then Tobias has to dig his talons into this dolphin to acquire it. And something interesting happens where the dolphin neglects to go into a a trance, as has been established in this universe that happens. The dolphin's but like, from this point on, this this does establish that the trance does not always happen. And that stays consistent. I will say that. I wonder why it had to be now. Did we just need some action to <laughs> fill out the book? K.A.? Well, here's the thing. I think that if we're going to talk about the like the actual believability of this moment, how horrible... So he has to catch the dolphin midair because he can't go down to the water. If he were to acquire it and it goes into a trance midair, the dolphin would fall out of the sky <laughs> and it would look like it was dead and everyone would freak out and it would look like the hawk killed it. So for the sake of story, I think it's more interesting to have the dolphin be like, oh, got a rider? Cool, let's do this, and just take him for a fucking ride. But <laughs> just thinking about a dolphin just flopping out onto the water, looking like it's dead, and all the people freaking out about it. But yeah, I don't see why, um, like, they were able to go at night to acquire the dolphins before. Yeah. Was it a time thing? Was it like we have to rush over to do it? Were, were they on a tight schedule? No. But, you know, it's the Animorphs, and boy, oh boy, do our plans not work ever. Uh, so they, they fly out to this island, and they encounter uh, Marco sees his mom. And that, of course, is upsetting. Like, we get a lot of Marco introspection in this book. He's 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 going through a lot of uh, just self-introspection and, like, Clearly, PTSD is playing a big role for Marco here because it's like he's hesitant to go dolphin and then the sharks show up and he's like, fuck this shit. <laughs> and he's like, just prepared to die. He's like, ah, it's coming. I'm going to I already know what this feels like. So let's do it. And the the sharks that are apparently more well organized than our own military guarding a secret alien base. Thing, situation show up and that happens and then the sharks are like alright bye and the animal's like well that was weird but we definitely need to get some hammerhead sharks which leads us to our next set of what the fuckery 
that I'm going to call shenanigans on. Apparently the gardens doesn't, they have dolphins, but they don't have hammerheads. But they, they end up going to not SeaWorld, where that doesn't fucking end well, by any stretch of the imagination. And Axe gets spotted and by security guards, these gun-toting security guards that we apparently have at our amusement parks during the 90s. <laughs> and one of them is obviously a controller. And I'm going to go ahead and assume that both controllers that they run into in this situation are now dead. They have to because they see the kids because Marco gets up to distract them at one point. Yeah, they definitely see the kids. Yeah. So and then and then actually, I'm, I'm glad that we, we we open up the book because they refer to the tunnel as plexiglass. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. Just no. No. That's all I can say. Like, first off, it's if it's it's acrylic. It's gonna be acrylic. One hundred percent. And what they end up doing because they're now like cornered by guards, and of course, Axe is like, "Oh, what is this force field? It's odd." And they're like, "It's not a force field." He's like, "Ah, this fucking cheap human plastic," because he's Axe. And they're like, finally, like, okay, I guess the best way to deal with this is fuck up the tunnel, Axe. And he's like, I got this. And he like flicks his tail blade and and cut. Like, no, none of this happened. <laughs> Because I can tell you right now, because your boy researched it, on average, most shark tunnels anywhere, especially in the U.S., which has very, like, very strict building regulations when it comes to crap like this, your tunnel dome walkthrough area, that acrylic is going to be at least 17 inches thick. You're not cutting through it, Axe. Right. It's not I mean he might be able to, but certainly not in one go. Not in one go and not clean enough to like open up the floodgates. I will say I am thinking ahead, I won't say any spoilers, but we do see Axe cut through some pretty thick things in one go. But I don't think he'd be able to cut through seventeen inch acrylic in one in one slice. Especially because the things that we see him do are like it's not he's cutting into like a flat surface it's not like he's chopping like the branch off of a tree or something you know yeah i'm not i'm not buying it but okay let's just we'll roll with it for now and so marco ends up running into the the hammerhead and it again this is a well-fed animal in captivity it's not attacking anybody so let's calm that down a little bit but he 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 gets it they all acquire it and i really enjoy that the 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 headlines the next day are that a bunch of security guards at ocean world got shit-faced and shot the place up no mentions of deaths but we got drunk security guards so that's that's how we dealt with that situation and then marco marco gets weird this this whole this whole segment was weird with Marco because he's at school basically the next day and he's like itching to morph morph this shark. He's like, I'm ready to fucking go. And he wants to do it so bad that he can't even wait. He decides to do it while at school in the school pool. What a stupid, stupid thing. 
No, he very stupidly was like, I'm going to take this saltwater animal and morph it in a chlorinated freshwater pool. Not only that, but in front of other people to intimidate and slash or attack them. No, they weren't originally there. But he's like, Jake shows up and he's like ready to do it. He's like ready to to fight them. Well, yeah, because so Marco was in the pool, like ready to test this out. And then these bullies randomly, because he got in there and he's like, oh, the swim team must be somewhere else right now because no one's here. Mm -hmm. And these bullies show up. And they're like, we're going to fuck with you. And they end up making like a horrible comment about his mom. And he's like, fuck this. And that's when Jake shows up. Thank God. And is like, bro, how about you not? Just, just a <laughs> thought. Just a thought. I know I we've talked about not using morphing for personal reasons. We'll ignore the fact that I was trying to like woo my girlfriend who has some eco-terrorism plot. Like, that's okay, <laughs> but maybe not this. She's very concerned about the dignity of these animals that we acquired and then shoved them in a closet so that we could morph into them. But this is probably <laughs> a bad idea right here. I just like to think that this moment was the inspiration for the classic film Shark Boy and Lava Girl. <laughs> but he, he calms himself down and he finally he gets his chance to morph Shark out at uh, Roy and Island, they go back and they they get past the shark guards and end up inside and then decide that it's a great idea. Like some screeching noise happens and all the shark zombies that are being controlled, but not in the old, like not in the year sense, uh, go into this like assembly line of getting shit injected into their heads, which is what they're using to uh, make them smarter because the whole point of all of this is the Yerks have decided that they can't they can't take over and control uh, the the population of Lirin, which is on the, their home world is an aquatic home world, so they're aquatic animals, and they can't take them over in their normal invasion sense. So they're going for hostile takeover, and that is the whole purpose of the sharks is to like just go full on. We're gonna we're gonna hit this like a bunch of Reddit kids in the stock market and just take over. <laughs> um, which by the time this airs, we might be over that. Who knows? I don't know what's happening with <laughs> the stock market, but they go. And that's the Yerk plan, and it's being overseen by Visser One, who is on Visser Three's territory, which obviously he's not a fan of. But we'll get to that. And all the Animorphs end up getting these injections in their heads which was odd and then they're like okay what what can we do to like we got to check things out we got to stop this we got to shut this down and they're like all right we'll go fly and and check everything out which does not end well because and this is where things get iffy with morphing and me because they start to morph into flies and the implants that were put in them start to bulge out of their little fly heads and they can't feel it because we learned something new mm -hmm. about morphing is that it numbs you from the pain of doing it mm -hmm. which i never really thought about because they had always described it as just feeling weird but not actually feeling anything yeah i think they this is the first time it really comes up but from this point on they definitely do start emphasizing like this should hurt but it doesn't <laughs> that that's kind of I mean, I, I know I know K.A. likes the long game. Is that possibly setting up like somebody figures out a way to turn that off and make it hurt? No, 
Okay. That never happens. But this is why you need to start writing fan fiction. Because <laughs> that's a good idea. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. No, thank you, please. Um, how dare you? How dare you? <laughs> so Marco realizes that this thing that is inside of them is gonna destroy them if they morph too small so but i like questions are now being raised because like does that mean tobias's hawk brain is his head is big enough to deal with whatever this is because he does he go back to hawk before they get rid of it yeah he has to then i guess his hawk head is small enough or big enough i so but i mean yeah so but like i i guess it's not something that would really come up on the andalite homeworld depending on like when they're able to get the morphing technology but like what if like for some reason like jake who plays basketball had like pins in his knee or something like would that i mean the first time he morphed it wouldn't be a problem because he'd morph back and whatever the problem was would be fixed because dna magic mm -hmm. but like i'm confused i mean i know it's all it's it's all plot device to like make things more interesting but like wouldn't that pop into z space as they're morphing because it's technically skin tight because it's in them i guess not yeah this is uh this is one to think about because presumably well, at least one of these kids has like a, a filling or something you know if not some kind of like surgical screw somewhere in their body you know so would it not just go into z hmm Hmm. Apparently it wouldn't. I think we've uncovered a good old plot hole. But I mean, it's, I, I would imagine that now that I'm walking myself through this, that it maybe it's just because of the way it's made, because the whole way that they get it out of them so they can morph back and like morph into smaller things is if they destroy the base, the things in their head will like self-destruct, but in a way that won't kill all the sharks. And it just it, like liquefies, it, yeah. yeah. It liquefies, which like that's pretty odd, but okay. Just I mean that way that no one can find random alien technology in all these shark heads. But I don't, it's it's all it's all too convenient for me. But we'll move on. So they they decide that they need to now just destroy the base, which is not good and easy. But they they figure it out, and so uh, Tobias acts. And Marco take off in one direction uh, to figure out how to destroy the base while the others go off to cause a distraction. And then we get a scene that is so heart-wrenchingly terrible mm -hmm. that even me with my cold, dark soul was like, oh, this really sucks right now. And it is Marco coming face-to-face -face with Visser 1 slash his mom. Like, not as an animal, he's a human. They're seeing each other. And he kind of like freezes up and thankfully Visser 1 is slightly, slightly smarter than Visser 3 and is like asking questions and not getting answers to be like, oh, you're having trouble controlling your host because like these two are definitely related. Like mine's totally freaking out, but like get your shit together. But like, oh, it hurt. It hurt my my soul a little bit. And then we we get into like this crazy moment where Rachel's like gung ho ready to fucking straight up murder Visser one because Marco didn't do it. And mm. they're like, why didn't you take out Visser one when you had the chance? And he's like, ah, and Rachel's like freedom or death. And you know, cause she's Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> That's just my new Rachel saying whether it's her, it's her 
catchphrase, whether she actually says it or not. She says it a few times. Oh, good. Um, yeah, that's a really tough moment. I mean, and the it's it's a another example of this series just being like a little too deep for the age, like the demographic that it's supposed to be for. Because like, this is a child having to decide whether or not his mom should be killed for the greater good of the planet. Like a child <laughs> also he's already been through the trauma of thinking she died and then has to process the fact that she hasn't been dead and then he has to decide well you know i might have to kill her and we we see this come around full circle later on um in a, in a different way not I, hmm, I don't want to give too much away but it's nope stop talking yeah <laughs> this is like it's basically like a trolley problem that's escalated from like zero to a hundred it's not just, oh, one random person to save five people. It's your actual mother who you just found out is actually alive for potentially the entire planet. Yeah. I don't know that I could do it. I mean, I could, but we have different relationships <laughs> with our parents. Very different. <laughs> um, accepts the self, like the Star Trek self-destruct button, which is very polite. A very polite self-destruct because during the countdown mm -hmm. it's like the place is gonna blow in two minutes y'all have a great day <laughs> and so this this uh this star trek nonsensory is is going on now where they've got this countdown to base destruction that apparently axe was just so good that he was able to lock all the yurks out of turning it off but like couldn't you have given yourselves more than five minutes Make it a good solid 10. Get yourself time to get out, but that's none of my business. And then, like, they go battle morph, and Visser 3, of course, shows up, because why wouldn't he? And I'm I'm really happy for Visser 3, because he actually finally gets what he wants, and he eats Axe, kind of. <laughs> he, like, gets halfway there, but he finally, he finally got himself an Andalite ba bandit in and around his mouth why Axe didn't go full like acrylic busting tail blade on him. Who knows? But I'm really happy for him because then Rachel like bear hugs him and it's a whole standoff. But I really enjoyed this this cute moment where uh, there is a Lyran controller and with Visser 1 and at one point yes. it's it's like hey that's a human, and Visser One's like, "Oh, honey, sweetie, baby, no, that's a that's a gorilla, which is closely <laughs> related to a human, but it's not actually a human." And it's like, "No, bro, that's it. That's a human." And it, and it, is this thing Bueller? Is anyone listening? Is this thing on? And this is a classic example of Visser Three letting his hubris get the better of him because if he were smart. He literally would have said, oh, the Andalite bandits are here. Let me touch literally any one of the Lyrans that are around me, morph into one, and just get close enough to an Andalite bandit to read their thoughts. Well, I mean, He could have ended the whole war right here in book 15, he, and he didn't, because he's stupid, and he thinks that he needs to morph some big giant thing that spits fire and acid or whatever. <laughs> Which also, like... Hold on, I'm getting ahead of myself. What does he morph into? What horrifying creature does he... It's it's just like become? a sea snake type situation. Right, okay. Every time he morphs one of these big crazy things, I can't help but think, how did he acquire this? 
because sometimes he morphs into things that are like straight up just lava. It's like, how did he, how did he touch this? How did he do it? He can't. I mean, maybe his host had acquired it at some point. But how did he acquire it? I don't know. <laughs> Magic. They managed to uh, get away. They destroy the base and possibly, and so now Rachel and Axe at least know that Marco's mom is Visser One. And I'm sure we will get into that more later on in the books as that information goes about the Animorphs. And there's this really cute moment where Marco thinks it's just Rachel possibly trying to make him feel better as they're escaping away from the shenanigans of the imploded base where she's like, oh, do you hear that? I hear something. Maybe it's the invisible submarine. And everyone's like, are you... Are you okay in the head? Like, we don't hear anything at all. But sure, friends. What? And Marco's like, oh, And that's, that's, uh, that's really kind of it. I mean, there's, there's some great world building. We get a lot of great world building. We get some questions. Yes. We get to see new characters. We get to see more of that conflict. We're really starting to see the toll that things are taking on them, where Marco is, uh, really struggling now and he finally has to let loose this secret that he's been holding that is uh Mr. one's host body is actually his mom and she's assuming that rachel is going to tell cassie and tobias so that means everyone is now fully aware and you see a, a, just a lot of that struggle which is very it's heartbreaking to see because marco now as an adult marco's really grown on me as one of my favorite characters and that really hurts yeah i mean this book it's you kind of said it at the beginning we uh it's pretty brief it's pretty straightforward thank you all so much for listening next week we'll be discussing book 16 the warning if you'd like to read along check out the show notes for a link to download the entire series for free on pdf the graphic novel of the invasion is now available wherever you buy books or the link to purchase is in the show notes as well new episodes of the millennial agenda are available every monday with the new animorphs edition each friday you can find the millennial agenda all over your favorite social media on instagram and facebook as the millennial agenda and millennial ag pod on twitter you can now support the podcast on buymeacoffee.com and receive access to bonus content like kevin yelling at me about spy kids and all sorts of other fun stuff uh covering it helps cover things like the cost of the website and things like that to keep webs the podcast going i just forgot how to talk because apparently spike it please make sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting podcasting platform until next time <laughs> happy reading i'm gonna go learn how to talk anyone listening please write directly to josh and um tell him about how important spy kids is in our culture this is prime early 2000s content holy shit